Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. It is, it is such an exciting thing. I've been listening. I fasted today and uh, was praying and listened all day long to the album. And this was so amazing. So congratulations to the worship team, Oceans Worship, and and to David and Melanie, great songwriters, man, oh man, and just can't wait. The, the, the exciting thing is now it's going to go all over the world, and, and churches all over the world and believers all over the world will be singing and being blessed and being impacted by what God's doing here. So that's really, really cool. I, uh, I want to show you a little picture of my uh, uh, family before I, um, I think they have it back there. Yeah. That's from uh, Christmas time. And uh, beautiful Mary next to me. We have four kids and seven and a half grandkids. And my son here, Timmy and his wife, she's seven months pregnant with a little boy. And they live right down the street in Laguna. And we're excited about uh, number eight. So I call them the Super 7. It'll be the Awesome 8. And uh, very grateful for all that God's done in our family. And I just, I just uh, I had some cool things happen when Pastor was talking about favor. It just reminded me on Sunday, my, my friends got back from Italy, uh, a successful businessman in my church. We've been friends for almost 40 years. And he brought me five, and he was just determined to do it. He brought me five pairs of designer tennis shoes back. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like, uh, whenever I Google them up, I go, I could have bought a small car for that one. Yeah, so, but uh, yeah, so it's super fun. And then I had something, the last week's just been crazy. Uh, about a week ago, I was getting uh, coffee for a beautiful Mary, in the, maybe at 6.30 or so in the morning, and I looked out, and, and I'm out there and started walking on the, our balcony patio, and a hawk came down about maybe eight feet away from me and just rested on the rail and stood there for almost five minutes. He's staring at me. I'm staring at him. I'm, like, I'm thinking, I don't think this is normal, this big three-foot bird that was sitting there. And it was quite, quite uh, breathtaking. And it was like the week before I had... Uh, my friend Chris Valton at the church. He's got a cr- bunch of crazy bird stories, and I always make fun of them. Now I'm like, I got, I'm joining the bird club or whatever. Uh, my wife's telling me all the prophetic things about hawks. Hawks see and hawks protect. Thank you, honey. But it was, but it, it was pretty cool. I think I have a little word I'm going to share with you. It's such an honor to be with you guys on anniversary weekend. And uh, it's just not, just a couple of things. When, when God does something special, sometimes because it, it starts feeling normal, but when you travel around, you find out it's not normal. So you can contrast it with what other churches or cities or people have gone through. So this may feel normal to you, but this ain't normal. This is, this is a move of God. It's very special. It always, it's, it always involves the right person being in the right place at the right time. Of course, God's sending your pastors here 
and that synergy of destiny was released through their obedience and also you. And, and also, because I a long time ago, uh, I lived and pastored here in Orange County, and uh, it's, there's unfinished business in God's heart for Orange County. So that's, that's something you guys get to be a part of. And really, I think there's so many reasons to be proud of your pastors, but to be fully engaged, to be powerful Bible teachers and apostolic leaders and strong, moral, high-character people, but also to be spirit-empowered, spirit-honoring, Holy Ghost people. Those, that, that combination is so beautiful. And we're just showing a whole generation of young leaders that have kind of discarded the Holy Spirit. And saying, you know what? You can have the Holy Spirit a part of what you're doing. And he, he, I, I told my church on the Sunday, praying in tongues won't make you weird. If you're weird after praying in tongues, you were weird before you prayed in tongues. <laughs> it's, the Holy Spirit empowers us and blesses us. And uh, yeah, so it's just so wonderful. Congratulations. And the best is yet to come. And you'll never forget... People that come in a few years from now, they'll have to hear the stories about the tent days. You know what I mean? Because it's going to be great, the building and buildings and all that God does. But but this is a special time. I'm friends with the the largest church in my town is CCV. It's about like 30,000 members. And and, uh, the pastor and I were talking about things. And and he, he met for almost over a decade in a tent. Of course, in Arizona, we have to air condition our tents. Because we don't live in heaven like you here, sorry. And uh, so he was, t- he, bu- he built this beautiful, like, 3,300, 3,400 seat auditorium. And every time I meet him, he talked about, he, he misses the tent. Misses the intimacy, the feeling of it, the, all, all the things that are part of it. And uh, so it's a, it is a special time. A little message to you, I feel like the Lord prompted me. Here's their super long title. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Or here, here's the shorter title. You're about to smash it, okay? You're about to smash it. It is from the book of Romans, the 16th chapter. And we'll read a few verses. Before I do, let me share something humorous. Um, I heard about this family that had identical twin sons. If you've heard this joke before, act like you're hearing it for the first time. And... Uh, the boys were so physically alike, no one could tell them apart, but mom and dad, but their personalities were very different. One boy was a pessimist and one was an optimist. And on their 10th birthday, their father decided to try an experiment. He went out and bought every imaginable toy a 10-year-old boy would want, a new bike, all electronic toys, just everything, and put it all into the pessimist twin son's room. And then he went out and got a truck full of horse manure and dropped it into the optimist twin son's room. And later on that afternoon, he heard someone bitterly crying, and he walked down the hall and turned into the room, and his pessimist son, twin, was sitting in the midst of all the open toys, and the father said, son, why are you upset? Why are you crying? And the boy said, daddy, now all my friends are going to be jealous of me. Look at all the batteries I have to buy, and someday all these toys will break. And he went back to crying. And the father crossed the hall into the optimist twin son's room. And to his surprise, I'm jumping up and down for joy in the middle of the horse manure. He said, son, why are you so happy? 
And the boy said, Daddy, there's got to be a pony in here someplace. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you, if you're in a horseman or a season, there's got to be a pony in there someplace. Um, or as the Bible says, we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God called by his purpose. God, if it's not good yet, it just means God's not done yet. Okay? He's working. Give God the chance to write a good ending to your story. He will. He will. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. I urge you, brethren and sisters, and this would be a general title to the whole church. Note those. Scopio is the Greek word. Mark those. Take aim at those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines you've learned and avoid them. So when something's growing like Ocean's Church and God's moving and breathing, we don't have to worry about enemies from without. We have to worry about enemies from within. And we are, we're living in a time that the culture has made being offended a virtue. And so people feel empowered to be angry, to be unforgiving, to be mad, to be highly critical and hateful. And, but all those things, of course, aren't Christ-like. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not from heaven. Those aren't good things. And so we want to be careful and watch out. Next verse. For those that do such do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but rather their own belly, those that cause division and those that spread offense. By smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. Just about every news media there is could be under that title. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple in what is evil. Simple concerning evil. Okay? Here's my message. And the God of peace, I just love that he says... You know, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the conquest of your enemy. Peace is the evidence of victory, not the evidence of a lack of a confrontation. The God of peace will crush, there it is, crush Satan. Soon trebo, the Greek word, to trample, to break in pieces, to shatter, to bruise, to grind down, to smash. Elbow someone to say, you're about to smash it. Tell them. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Father, thank you for your word, your spirit. Man, we rejoice in Ocean's Church's testimony. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this miracle work. Thank you that it's just beginning. And if, it, if the beginning's like this, what will the ending be like? So we thank you, Lord, humbly, gratefully. Thank you. Protect my dear friends, Mark and Michelle and their team. Protect this church, God. Safeguard it. Let this be, God, as we celebrate this church, we really celebrate you. You're the author and finisher. This church was your idea. The blessing here is from you. The growth here is from you. The miracles are from you. All the glory, we get back to you. It all returns to you. Lord, anoint your servant, your word, and your people. Have your way. Show the devil who's boss tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of simple points, and then we're going to pray and 
First point, recognize and resist the enemy's tactics of division and offense. And so you want to be careful because the enemy will make offense so appetizing to you that it will seem like that it's a normal response to a bad situation. But God wants to offense-proof you. David said, those that love your law, love your word, nothing offends them. Nothing. So offense can't find a way into them. Can't find. And people that are offended, of course, by their offense cause division. And they spread it. They, 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 they bring unhealth. And Jesus said, you know, it's impossible that offenses don't come, but beware to those that cause them, spread them, and are responsible. Of course, I feel I, I'm embarrassed even to mention that point with uh, Lisa Bevere here. Her husband wrote the best book I've ever read in this topic on uh, Don't Take the Bait. So I'm going to skip the rest of that point. Get the book. Don't Take the Bait. And... But the whole idea of an, of an offense, Scandalon, was the, 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 the stick, the trap stick that they would put, a, you know, fresh, fresh bait on. The animal takes the bait, the, tr- the, 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 the stick snaps and the cage falls. And, and so it's always a trap. Amen. So we break out of that trap by forgiving our way out, by being great forgivers. When someone asks me, Pastor, what's the secret? My beautiful wife and I have been married 43 years. What's the secret to a happy marriage? Well, first of all, marry an angel. Find yourself an angel. The second thing is become a great forgiver. Now, my wife has had to forgive me more than I've had to forgive her. You know, her list is that long. Mine is very long. You know, so she's, but that's what allows us to re-engage because we're not carrying a history of unforgiveness into the dynamic of our relational practice, our function. So we want to forgive, amen? So I'll just, so I'll just park there and tell you this. So my little story is, uh, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm a, I'm a pastor's son and uh, grew up, I've, I've, I've served the Lord my whole life. So I've never touched a drop of alcohol. I've never done a drug except anison. And uh, I know my wife gave me some cold medicine last week. And uh, I've lived, I've loved one woman. I've lived what we call moral life and that kind of, which I think is good. It, you know, morality is good. It's, it's, not, it's not a bad thing. It becomes bad when we think we're more important or more valuable to God and become self-righteous about it. But anyways, I started early in ministry and, and by my 10th year of ministry, 20, at 27, Mary and I started first church in Scottsdale my boyhood hometown, and the Lord blessed it. My worship leader was Israel Houghton. You may have heard of him. Stuff like that happened. Kind of, it was like this vibe. Um, but you guys, it's, you guys are better. But it just was awesome what God was doing. And by the, by the 10th year, we were building our first building. It was 4,800-seat auditorium in uh, Scottsdale. We had it about two-thirds the way up. And my church treasurer, a friend of mine, a local businessman, owned seven businesses, including the savings and loan, and financial institution embezzled $20 million. So our church and about 2,000 of our church families had all of our accounts there. I had my accounts there. So he was running it like a 15-year Ponzi scheme and just was so, by the time it all collapsed, we, we were right in the middle of it because we were in this massive building program and 
And so as a result of that, our church treasurer, so every time they talk about him, show a picture of me, never a good picture. There's Pastor Maiden. Ah, what an ogre. Pictures of our church. He really, they really tied it together. And uh, 10 front page stories, headlines, front page stories, and six lawsuits, two class action lawsuits. I had 15 concurrent attorneys all at the same time. And because there was such a vast uh, amount of legal engagement and uh, our church began to dwindle, it dwindled down from, uh, from 4,500 after about two and a half years to 140 is where we bottomed out at. And I, my oldest son, Matthew, a beautiful um, boy, was 13 when all this started happening. He started self-medicating with drugs and he became a full-blown drug addict and alcoholic as a teenager. Uh, just trying to survive what had happened to our family. We were homeless for 10 months as a family. After owning a house, whether it was in the church's name, that was debt-free, we lost it. So we're just living at people's houses and, and people, you know, wherever every week was another adventure. And uh, I became clinically, manically, and suicidally depressed for two and a half years. I knew I was depressed because I was finishing my PhD in psychology. So... I laid on my own couch and said, sir, you're very sick. <laughs> I said, I know I am, Jack. Back off, back off. <clears throat> and it was, it, was, it was just, you know, it was the Lord's time. It was, it was good. It was good and bad. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, great, I got that, too. That's another, <laughs> another issue. I was 37 and thought my life was over. In, in my business, a scandal is the worst thing that can happen to you. So we had, we had a doozy of a scandal, Okay. Everyone's talking about us and, and just all kinds of things happening. And I didn't handle it well emotionally. And uh, so all those things happened. 37 thought my life was over. And I was driving my kids to high school um, um, every day. And uh, they were a freshman and a sophomore, Matthew and Melody. And it took a while. So I was almost two and a half, three hours a day on the freeway. And uh, so... The Lord started talking to me on these drives, and he said to me, uh, Michael, would you like all the pain that you have to go away? I said, yes, I would, Lord Jesus. I've made a list of some people here. If, if you would please just kill these people. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Old Testament, New Testament style. Don't matter, Lord. Put it all in your hands. And the next sentence he said to me changed my life. So if you want to crush the devil, here's one of the ways you do it. He said, Michael, if you will forgive the people that have hurt you, I will make you forget the pain they've caused you. And uh, so, I, you know, I'm a preacher. I, I, you know, of course I know about forgiveness. And so I know what he said to me was so true but I, I pushed back and I said, well, how can I forgive if my, if my heart doesn't mean it? If I say I forgive them, these words feel so shallow and so hypocritical. And the moment I thought that, God gave me this vision, this mental picture. And it was of a train, and a really long train. And this, this massive engine had the word faith emblazoned across it. And maybe a hundred cars down was the caboose, the last car, it had the word feelings on it. And I knew the Lord was telling me that if I would set my faith in motion and forgive people by faith, 
eventually my emotions would catch up. You know, there are people here tonight, that you came tonight, you've had a, a long week, man. We're proud of you for making the church. You've had a tough day, and you're, 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 they're, they're jumping around the stage. You're like, I'm glad to be here. And, but yet by the third song, you're because you willed yourself to, and then your emotions kicked in. So anyways, I, I made a list. I checked it twice. Everyone was naughty. No one was nice. And I started praying every day, now four times a day, because I'm on the road just three hours a day. And, uh, not, you know, nothing's happening, but I'm doing really good. Quoting scriptures, praying in the spirit, doing my best. You know, my best friend took 2,000 people two blocks away from where I was to start a new church, a miracle church. And uh, stuff happened like that. And uh, about, I, I suppose there was only seven or eight weeks into it. I'm, I'm doing, I'm praying. And all I can say is that all of heaven came into my car. And I don't remember driving home, but I began to uncontrollably weep. And somehow, I, I know God helped me get home. So my next memory is being in the driveway. However I got there, Shandai Mandai. It was a miracle. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the driveway. And I go, what just happened to me? And so I start evaluating. I'm doing inventory. And I, all the pain is gone. All the pain is gone. It's... It's hard to describe how deeply wounded. I was so wounded by that experience and so depressed, I wrote a country western music album. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I'm sorry if that's your genre of the few, but I'm like a jazz rock and roll guy. And, but I found out you can get so depressed you go country. My daughter-in-law's country. I just like seeing that uh, every, every time I see her. Almost what country. And uh, all the pain was gone. And equally supernatural, really miraculous, is this. I felt an ocean of love for the people who broke my heart. You see, only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus. <clears throat> Remember, he said, bless those that curse you. Love people. Love your enemies. We're like, we could barely love our family. <laughs> he said, love your enemy. And so Jesus could do that. Amen. And so I, I, I you know, um, you know your heart's healthy when it starts to dream again. And for the longest time, depressed people don't contemplate a future because they're bound by the pain of their past. And I started dreaming again about the future. And after like a seven year, people say, Pastor, how long is the Great Tribulation? It's seven years. It was from uh, 1995 to 2002. <laughs> In case you missed. So I started dreaming and then you know, God helped me. We started a church in the same city. We had all that massive scandal. The Lord blessed us, was breathed upon it, got a bunch of campuses. God gave us a $40 million building for free and stuff like that. No one is more grateful about what happens in their life than someone who gets a second chance. And uh, every day is a good day when your name is Lazarus. Beautiful, beautiful Mary calls me Lazarus. So um, we have a hundred nationalities in our church. We do church in nine languages. 
It is crazy the stuff that's happened there. Um, just, just all supernatural, all the glory to God. My son, who was, I put him in, in a treatment twice in his teenage years, who really got bound. He was still a high-functioning athlete. And uh, he, a basketball player, and uh, one of my sons got a, my youngest son got a, a scholarship at the University of Texas for basketball. And this, my oldest son, it's probably even better than him, but kind of blew that up. Um, but anyways, he, he, he's fully bound by drugs, had a lot of rich friends give him cocaine, and now he's doing alcohol. So he's really bound by both those things. He's running from God. The day he turned 18, moved out of our house. And uh, drug dealers would drive past where we lived with guns hanging out their door, threatening us, really threatening to kill my son. And the police would knock on my door every few weeks looking to arrest my son. And so I would just go into his bedroom and lay on his bed where he used to stay. And, just, and I would pray, Jesus, don't let my son die tonight. When, when you watch someone go through eight years of addiction, it can break you down to nothing. Where you just say, God, don't let him die. God, don't let him die. And that's me. And so oh, the Lord's healing me and helping me. And I'm coming out of the bedroom after praying for him. The Lord rebuked me. And he said, I want you to change the way you would talk and pray about your son. And he said the sentence to me, don't pray the problem, pray the promise. Pray the promise. And the Lord reminded me since his birth, all the things God said about my Matthew. We, we named him gift of God. All the things God said he would be and do. And I ran and told my wife, honey, we have to change the way we talk about Matthew. And, and we, we reacquainted ourselves, and we renewed and we transformed our vocabulary. And so we're walking around the house. Our, my son's a history maker, a world shaker, a businessman, a man of God. He's going to be a great father, a great husband. And uh, so he, he, he's playing uh, university basketball before drug testing. He's playing uh, university basketball. And uh, he wants to date one of the cheerleaders. And she said, I'll only date you if you come to my church. So I just want to praise God for all the pretty single women at Ocean's Church that say, uh, hold on, buddy. You come to my church, I'll think about it. And uh, so he's, he's at this church, a, a church in Phoenix. And uh, he's like sitting in the back row with an attitude, you know. Can't wait, can't wait for the church to get over. And there's a guest, African-American guest evangelist at that church. It wasn't even a, a real big church. And here's what the evangelist had. He had a word of knowledge. He said, if someone here is running from God, you have a broken heart, your family's been through trauma, and you're fighting addictions. And tonight, Jesus Christ is setting you free. And my son, sitting in the back row, fell onto the ground and shook for 30 minutes. And when he got up, he was set free from cocaine addiction and alcoholism. He, he moved back home. Moved back home, a changed man. A, a man I'd never known moved back home. He went to Bible college, and then he went to Haiti for a year as a missionary. You know you're safe when you do that. Came back home, met a wonderful girl named Candace. Candace and Matthew are now the executive pastors at Church for the Nations at our home. They have four wonderful kids. 
And everything God told me he would be, he's become. Amen. You know, God honors what we call things, what we name things. And when we misname something, we, we create a heavenly dysfunction as far as releasing the full glory or potential and purpose of that thing. Amen. Uh, so God is so good. That, so that, that's, that's my story. I, I feel like I blew up my sermon. Just uh, two points and then I'm going to start praying. Paul said this, listen, I want you to be simple concerning evil things and wise concerning godly things, discerning. So second point is simple. We are called to be experts on light and not darkness. We're called to be experts on what heaven's doing, not on what hell's doing. Now, so you have to be careful how much hellish information you feed yourself. Like, just turn off the news, baby. It's, turn, it's okay to have a general feeling. It's not okay to have hours of that in you every day and expect to be a high-functioning kingdom overcoming believer. So we want to be experts on anybody can see what's wrong. Kingdom people see how God can make it right. They see what God wants to do. And the last thing he's concerning that holiness maintains our heart's innocence and purity. So when we keep ourselves from being overly engaged or exposed to really enmeshed in darkness, it's, it's great to discern what the devil's doing, but it's better to walk by revelation by what God is doing. We, 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 we need both of them, okay? We need both of them. And, uh, but there's something so wonderful, the great song about holiness tonight. There's such a payoff of joyous satisfaction and fulfillment in, in, in godliness and holiness, okay? Last, last point, the God of peace will crush Satan on your feet shortly. So both that's the promise of the second coming of Christ, all kinds of kind of a broad brush there. But I just felt it for, to say it over you. In Jesus' name, you're about to experience a crushing victory over the enemy in your life, your family, your story. No matter what, no matter how bad it's been, no matter how difficult it's been, no matter how hurtful it's been, God can turn everything around. A couple of things, because when we ask for God to do something, he empowers us to do it. In, in Joshua chapter 10, I'll just tell you this story. Joshua is away. He comes back, and they've captured the five kings of the Amorites, these five kings. And in antiquity, they often consigned to, to kings divine properties, you know, that these are supernatural beings. And so they didn't know what to do with them. They locked him in a cave. So Joshua comes back. He says, let him out of the cave. And so here comes these five kings, and they're all, all, all the men of Israel. Well, these, these are, and Joshua walked over to the men and threw them on the ground, one by one. And they're saying, well, Joshua is so powerful. And then Joshua stood back, and he called for his young leaders. Come here, guys. Put your foot on his neck. You're almost with me. The stuff you're asking Jesus to do, he's going to do through you. Jesus didn't say, you know, ask me to heal the sick. He said, lay your sweaty hand on the sick people. 
invoke my mighty name, I'll use you. He didn't say, ask me to rebuke the devil. He's already defeated. You rebuke the devil. The works that I do. Remember what he said? He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do. Because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, it shall be done for you. Here is the Father glorified. He's glorified when we are able to participate in these things. God finds so much joy. It's like when our kids grow up and start doing, you know, responsible things. For the longest time, children are so dependent on us. And when they grow into stages of independence, the teenage years and young adults, it makes you as a parent very satisfied. I'm just so satisfied. I have four really hardworking kids that love God, are great spouses. And, and, and so they, that's who they are. It makes me really happy. And it makes me, you know, feel I give all the credit to Jesus and Mary. Not that Mary, my Mary, for how the kids turned out. And, but I just want to, I just want to encourage you because I felt like just the Lord say, tell them they're about to see a crushing victory over the enemy. And it might be my new fancy shoes that makes me want to stomp on the devil tonight. But I'm just telling you, you're going to. You're going to. You're going to take back ter territory. You're going to see, like my Matthew, your children be, be delivered. You're going to see your heart set free. Listen, Jesus needed my full participation to heal my heart from a suicidal depression. I was not a spectator. I was a participant. Man, he showed me what to do. I had to do the forgiving. I had to do the taking authority. I had to do the changing of confession. I had to do the renewing of the mind. I had to do those things. He showed me. He gave me the tools, the revelation, the principles of the kingdom. But I had to use them. And so we are partners with God in this. Ah, thank you, God, for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you. I just pray for every person that's hearing this simple message tonight. I mean, they're going to get meat and so much powerful revelation from Pastor John and Lisa this weekend. But here's my simple little message, God. You're about to blow their minds. You're about to do some stuff. And let's just, just do it with me. If you don't mind doing it, I know it's simple. Just move your, if, just, if, just start thinking about some things that you need God to do. Just move your feet up and down and say, you know what? I'm about to crush the devil. I'm about to crush the devil and my family. My business, I'm about to crush the devil and my mental health, my physical health. I'm about to crush the devil and my ministerial fruitfulness. Whatever it is, God's going to help you. He's going he's to be with you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to enable you. He's not going to fail you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.